Chapter Twenty Five of Dread: A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Dread, Chapter Twenty Five. More Summer Talk. A glorious morning, washed by the tears of last night's shower, rose like a bride upon Canamah. The raindrops sparkled and winked from leaf to leaf, or fell in showery diamonds in the breeze. The breath of numberless roses, now in full bloom, rose in clouds to the windows. The breakfast table, with its clean damask, glittering silver, and fragrant coffee, received the last evening's participants of the camp meeting in fresh morning spirits, ready to discuss, as an everyday affair, what the evening before they had felt too deeply, perhaps, to discuss. On the way home they had spoken of the scenes of the day, and wondered and speculated on the singular incident which closed it but of all the dark circle of woe and crime, of all that valley of vision which was present to the mind of him who spoke, they were as practically ignorant as the dwellers of the curtained boudoirs of New York are of the fearful mysteries of the five points. The aristocratic nature of society at the South so completely segregates people of a certain position in life from any acquaintance with the movements of human nature in the circles below them, that the most fearful things may be transacted in their vicinity unknown or unnoticed the horrors and sorrows of the slave coffle were a sealed book to nina and ann clayton they had scarcely dreamed of them and uncle john if he knew their existence took very good care to keep out of their way as he would turn from any other painful and disagreeable scene all of them had heard something of negro hunters and regarded them as low vulgar people but troubled their heads little further on the subject so that they would have been quite at a loss for the discovery of any national sins that could have appropriately drawn down the denunciations of heaven the serious thoughts and aspirations which might have arisen in any of the company the evening before assumed with everything else quite another light under the rays of morning all of us must have had experience in our own histories of the great difference between the night and the morning view of the same subject what we have thought and said in the august presence of witnessing stars or beneath the holy shadows of moonlight seems with the hot dry light of next day's sun to take wings and rise to heaven with the night's clear drops if all the prayers and good resolutions which were laid down on sleeping pillows could be found there on awaking the world would be better than it is of this uncle john gordon had experience as he sat himself down at the breakfast table the night before he realized in some dim wise that he mr john gordon was not merely a fat elderly gentleman in blue coat and white vest whose great object in existence was to eat well drink well sleep well wear clean linen and keep out of the way of trouble he had within him a tumult of yearnings and aspirings uprisings of that great lifelong sleeper which we call soul and which when it wakes is an awfully clamorous craving exacting troublesome inmate and which is therefore generally put asleep again in the shortest time by whatever opiates may come to hand 
last night urged on by this troublesome guest stimulated by the vague power of such awful words as judgment and eternity he had gone out and knelt down as a mourner for sin and a seeker for salvation both words standing for very real and awful facts and this morning although it was probably a more sensible and appropriate thing than most of the things he was in the habit of doing he was almost ashamed of it the question arose at table whether another excursion should be made to the campground for my part said aunt maria i hope you'll not go again mr gordon i think you had better keep out of the way of such things i really was vexed to see you in that rabble of such very common people you'll observe said uncle john that when mrs g goes to heaven she'll notify the lord forthwith that she has only been accustomed to the most select circles and requests to be admitted at the front door it isn't because i object to being with common people said ann clayton that i dislike this custom of going to the altar but it seems to me an invasion of that privacy and reserve which belong to our most sacred feelings besides there are in a crowd coarse rude disagreeable people with whom it isn't pleasant to come in contact for my part said mrs john gordon i don't believe in it at all it's a mere temporary excitement people go and get wonderfully wrought up come away and are just what they were before well said clayton isn't it better to be wrought up once in a while than never to have any religious feelings isn't it better to have a vivid impression of the vastness and worth of the soul of the power of an endless life for a few hours once a year than never to feel it at all the multitudes of those people there never hear or think a word of these things at any other time in their lives for my part he added i don't see why it's a thing to be ashamed of if mr gordon or i should have knelt at the altar last night even if we do not feel like it this morning we are too often ashamed of our better moments i believe protestant christians are the only people on earth who are ashamed of the outward recognition of their religion the mohammedan will prostrate himself in the street or wherever he happens to be when his hour for prayer comes the roman catholic sailor or soldier kneels down at the sound of the vesper bell but we rather take pride in having it understood that we take our religion moderately and coolly and that we are not going to put ourselves much out about it well but brother said anne i will maintain still that there is a reserve about these things which belongs to the best christians and did not our saviour tell us that our prayers and alms should be in secret i do not deny at all what you say anne said clayton but i think what i said is true notwithstanding and both being true of course in some way they must be consistent with each other i think said nina the sound of the singing at these camp meetings is really quite spirit-stirring and exciting yes said clayton these wild tunes and hymns with which they are associated form a kind of forest liturgy in which the feelings of thousands of hearts have been embodied some of the tunes seem to me to have been caught from the song of birds or from the rushing of wind among the branches they possess a peculiar rhythmic energy well suited to express the vehement emotions of the masses did camp meetings do no other good than to scatter among the people these hymns and tunes i should consider them to be of inestimable value 
i must say said anne i always had a prejudice against that class both of hymns and tunes you misjudge them said clayton as you refined cultivated women always do who are brought up in the kid slipper and carpet view of human life but just imagine only the old greek or roman peasantry elevated to the level of one of these hymns take for example a verse of one i heard them sing last night the earth shall be dissolved like snow the sun shall cease to shine but god who called me here below shall be forever mine what faith is there what confidence in immortality how could a man feel it and not be ennobled then what a rough hearty heroism was in that first hymn it was right manly ah said anne but half the time they sing them without the slightest perception of their meaning or the least idea of being influenced by them and so do the worshippers in the sleepiest and most aristocratic churches said clayton there is nothing peculiar to the campground but if it is true what a certain statesman once said let me make the ballads of the people and i care not who makes their laws it is certainly a great gain to have such noble sentiments as many of these hymns contain circulating freely among the people what upon earth said uncle john do you suppose that last fellow was about up in the clouds there nobody seemed to know where he was or who he was and i thought his discourse seemed to be rather an unexpected addition he put it into us pretty strong i thought declare such a bundle of woes and curses i never heard distributed seemed to have done up all the old prophets into one bundle and tumbled it down upon our heads some of them were quite superstitious about it and began talking about warnings and all that pooh said aunt maria the likelihood is that some itinerant poor preacher has fallen upon this trick for producing a sensation there is no end to the trickeries and the got-up schemes in these camp meetings just to produce effect if i had had a pistol i should like to have fired into the tree and see whether i couldn't have changed his tune it seems to me said clayton from the little that i did hear that there was some method in his madness it was one of the most singular and impressive voices i ever heard and really the enunciation of some of those latter things was tremendous but then in the universal license and general confusion of the scene the thing was not so much to be wondered at it would be the most natural thing in the world that some crazy fanatic should be heated almost to the point of insanity by the scene and take this way of unburdening himself such excitements most generally assume the form of denunciation well now said dinah to tell the truth i should like to go out again to-day it's a lovely ride and i like to be in the woods and then i like to walk around among the tents and hear the people talk and see all the different specimens of human nature that are there i never saw such a gathering together in my life agreed said uncle john i'll go with you after all clayton here has got the right of it when he says that a fellow oughtn't to be ashamed of his religion such as it is <coughs> such as it is to be sure said aunt maria sarcastically yes and i say again such as it is said uncle john bracing himself i don't pretend it's much we'll all of us bear to be a good deal better without danger of being translated now as to this being converted hang me if i know how to get at it 
I suppose that is something like an electric shock. If a fellow is going to get it, he must go up to the machine. Well, you do hear some queer things there, said Nina. Don't you remember that jolly, slashing-looking fellow whom they called Bill Dakin that came up there with his two dogs? In the afternoon, after the regular services, we went to one of the tents where there was a very noisy prayer meeting going on, and there was Bill Dakin on his knees with his hands clasped and the tears rolling down his cheeks, and Father Bonnie was praying over him with all his might. And what do you think he said? He said, Oh, Lord, here's Bill Dakin. He is converted. Now take him right to heaven. Now he is ready, or he'll be drunk again in two weeks. Well, said Anne Clayton, tossing her head indignantly, that's blasphemy, in my opinion. Oh, perhaps not, said Clayton, any more than the clownish talk of any of our servants is intentional rudeness. Well, said Anne, don't you think it shows a great want of perception? Certainly it does, said Clayton. It shows great rudeness and coarseness of fiber, and is not at all to be commended. But still, we are not to judge of it by the rules of cultivated society. In well-trained minds, every faculty keeps its due boundaries, but in this kind of wild forest growth, mirthfulness will sometimes overgrow reverence, just as the yellow jessamine will completely smother a tree. A great many of the ordinances of the old mosaic dispensation were intended to counteract this very tendency. Well, said Nana, did you notice poor old Tiff, so intent on getting his children converted? He didn't seem to have the least thought or reference to getting into heaven himself. The only thing with him was to get those children in. Tiff seems to me just like those mistletoes that we see on the trees in the swamps. He don't seem to have any root of his own. He seems to grow out of something else. Those children are very pretty-looking, genteel children, said Anne, and how well they were dressed. My dear, said Nina, Tiff prostrates himself at my shrine every time he meets me to implore my favorable supervision as to that point, and it really is diverting to hear him talk. The old Caliban has an eye for color and a sense of what is suitable, equal to any French milliner, I assure you, my dear. I always was reputed for having a talent for dress, and Tiff appreciates me. Isn't it charming of him? I declare, when I see the old creature lugging about those children, I always think of an ugly old cactus with its blossoms. I believe he verily thinks they belong to him just as much. Their father is entirely dismissed from Tiff's calculations. Evidently, all he wants of him is to keep out of the way and let him work. The whole burden of their education lies on his shoulders. For my part, said Aunt Nesbitt, I'm glad you have faith to believe in those children. I haven't. They'll be sure to turn out badly. You see if they don't. And I think, said Aunt Maria, we have enough to do with our own servants without taking all these miserable whites on our hands, too. I'm not going to take all the whites, said Nina. I'm going to take these children. I wish you joy, said Aunt Maria. I wonder, said Aunt Nesbitt, if Harry is under concern of mind. He seems to be dreadfully down this morning. Is he? said Nina. I hadn't noticed it. Well, said Uncle John, 
Perhaps he'll get set up today. Who knows? In fact, I hope I shall myself. I'll tell you what it is, Parson, said he, laying his hand on Clayton's shoulder. You should take the gig today and drive this little sinner and let me go with the ladies. Of course, you know Mrs. G engrosses my whole soul, but then there's a kind of insensible improvement that comes from such celestial bodies as Miss Anne here that oughtn't to be denied to me. The clergy ought to enumerate female influence among the means of grace. I'm sure there's nothing builds me up like it. Clayton, of course, assented very readily to this arrangement, and the party was adjusted on this basis. "'Look ye here now, Clayton,' said Uncle John, tipping him a sly wink, after he had handed Nina in. "'You must confess that little penitent. She wants a spiritual director, my boy. I tell you what, Clayton, there isn't a girl like that in North Carolina. There's blood, sir, there. You must humor her on a bit and give her her head a while. Ah, but she'll draw well at last.' I always like a creature that kicks to pieces, harness, wagon, and all to begin with. They do the best when they are broken in. With which profound remarks, Uncle John turned to hand Anne Clayton to the carriage. Clayton understood too well what he was about to make any such use of the interview as Uncle John had suggested. He knew perfectly that his best chance, with a nature so restless as Nina's, was to keep up a sense of perfect freedom in all their intercourse, and therefore no grandfather could have been more collected and easy in a tete-a-tete -tete drive than he the last conversation at the camp meeting he knew had brought them much nearer to each other than they had ever stood before because both had spoken in deep earnestness of feeling what lay deepest in their heart and one such moment he well knew was of more binding force than a hundred nominal betrothals the morning was one of those perfect ones which succeed a thunder shower in the night, when the air, cleared of every gross vapor and impregnated with the moist exhalations from the woods, is both balmy and stimulating. The steaming air developed to the full the balsamic properties of the pine groves through which they rode, and where the road skirted the swampy land, the light fell slanting on the leaves of the deciduous trees, rustling and dripping with the last night's shower. The heavens were full of those brilliant island-like clouds, which are said to be a peculiarity of American skies, in their distinct relief above the intense blue. At a long distance they caught the sound of camp-meeting hymns, but before they reached the ground they saw, in more than one riotous group, the result of too frequent an application to Abijah's Skinflint's department, and others of similar character. They visited the quarters of old Tiff, whom they found busy ironing some clothes for the baby, which he had washed and hung out the night before. The preaching had not yet commenced, and the party walked about among the tents. Women were busy cooking and washing dishes under the trees, and there was a great deal of good-natured gossiping. One of the most remarkable features of the day was a sermon from Father Dixon on the sins of the church. It concluded with a most forcible and solemn appeal to all on the subject of slavery. He reminded both the Methodists and the Presbyterians that their books of discipline had most pointedly and unequivocally condemned it, that John Wesley had denounced it as the sum of all villainies, 
and that the general assemblies of the presbyterian church had condemned it as wholly inconsistent with the religion of christ with the great law which requires us to love others as ourselves he related the scene which he had lately witnessed in the slave coffle he spoke of the horrors of the interstate slave trade and drew a touching picture of the separation of families and the rending of all domestic and social ties which resulted from it and alluding to the unknown speaker of the evening before told his audience that he had discerned a deep significance in his words and that he feared if there was not immediate repentance and reformation the land would yet be given up to the visitations of divine wrath as he spoke with feeling he awakened feeling in return many were affected even to tears but when the sermon was over it seemed to melt away as a wave flows back again into the sea it was far easier to join in a temporary whirlwind of excitement than to take into consideration troublesome difficult and expensive reforms yet still it is due to the degenerate christianity of the slave states to say that during the long period in which the church there had been corrupting itself and lowering its standard of right to meet a depraved institution there have not been wanting from time to time noble confessors who have spoken for god and humanity for many years they were listened to with that kind of pensive tolerance which men give when they acknowledge their fault without any intention of mending of late years however the lines have been drawn more sharply and such witnesses have spoken in peril of their lives so that now seldom a voice arises except in approbation of oppression the sermon was fruitful of much discussion in different parts of the campground and none perhaps was louder in the approbation of it than the georgia trader who seated on abijah's skinflint's counter declared that was a parson as was a parson and that he liked his pluck and for his part when ministers and church members would give over buying he should take up some other trade that was a very good sermon said nina and i believe every word of it but then what do you suppose we ought to do why said clayton we ought to contemplate emancipation as a future certainty and prepare our people in the shortest possible time this conversation took place as the party were seated at their nooning under the trees around an unpacked hamper of cold provisions which they were leisurely discussing why bless my soul clayton said uncle john i don't see the sense of such an anathema maranatha as we got to-day good lord what earthly harm are we doing as to our niggers they are better off than we are i say it coolly that is as coolly as a man can say anything between one and two o'clock in such weather as this why look at my niggers do i ever have any chickens or eggs or cucumbers no to be sure all my chickens die and the cutworms play the devil with my cucumbers but the niggers have enough theirs flourish like a green bay tree and of course i have to buy of them they raise chickens i buy em and cook em and then they eat em that's the way it goes as to the slave coffles and slave prisons and the trade why that's abominable to be sure but lord bless you i don't want it done i kick a trader off my doorsteps forthwith though i'm all eaten up with woolly heads like locusts i don't like such sermons for my part 
well said aunt nesbit our mr titmarsh preached quite another way when i attended church in e he proved that slavery was a scriptural institution and established by god i should think anybody's common sense would show that a thing which worked so poorly for both sides couldn't be from god said nina who is mr titmarsh said clayton to her aside oh one of aunt nesbit's favorites and one of my aversions he isn't a man he's nothing but a theological dictionary with a cravat on i can't bear him now people may talk as much as they please of the educated democracy of the north said uncle john i don't like them what do working men want of education ruins em i've heard of their learned blacksmiths bothering around neglecting their work to make speeches i don't like such things it raises them above their sphere and there's nothing going on up in those northern states but a constant confusion and hubbub all sorts of heresies come from the north and infidelity and the lord knows what we have peace down here to be sure our poor whites are in a devil of a fix but we haven't got em under yet we shall get em in one of these days with our niggers and then all will be contentment yes said nina there's uncle john's view of the millennium to be sure said uncle john the lower classes want governing they want care that's what they want and all they need to know is what the episcopal church catechism says to learn and labor truly to get their own living in the state wherein it has pleased god to call them that makes a well-behaved lower class and a handsome gentlemanly orderly state of society the upper classes ought to be instructed in their duties they ought to be considerate and condescending and all that that's my view of society then you are no republican said clayton bless you yes i am i believe in the equality of gentlemen and the equal rights of well-bred people that's my idea of a republic <laughs> clayton nina and anne laughed now said nina to see uncle so jovial and free and hail fellow well met with everybody you'd think he was the greatest democrat that ever walked but you see it's only because he's so immeasurably certain of his superior position that's all he isn't afraid to kneel at the altar with bill dakin or jim sykes because he's so sure that his position can't be compromised and besides that chick said uncle john i have the sense to know that in my maker's presence all human differences are child's play and uncle john spoke with a momentary solemnity which was heartfelt it was agreed by the party that they would not stay to attend the evening exercises the novelty of the effect was over and aunt nesbit spoke of the bad effects of falling dew and night air accordingly as soon as the air was sufficiently cooled to make riding practicable the party were again on their way home the woodland path was streaked with green and gold bands of light thrown between the tree trunks across the way and the trees reverberated with the evening song of birds nina and clayton naturally fell into a quiet and subdued train of conversation it is strange said nina these talkings and searchings about religion now there are people who have something they call religion which i don't think does them any good it isn't of any use it doesn't make them better and it makes them very disagreeable i would rather be as i am than to have what they call religion 
but then there are others that have something which i know is a religion something that i know i have not something that i'd give all the world to have and don't know how to get it now there was livy ray you ought to have seen livy ray there was something so superior about her and what was extraordinary is that she was good without being stupid what do you suppose the reason is that good people are generally so stupid a great deal said clayton is called goodness which is nothing but want of force a person is said to have self-government simply because he has nothing to govern they talk about self-denial when their desires are so weak that one course is about as easy to them as another such people easily fall into a religious routine get by heart a set of phrases and make as you say very stupid good people now livy said nina was remarkable she had that kind of education that they give girls in new england stronger and more like a man's than ours she could read greek and latin as easily as she could french and italian she was keen shrewd and witty and had the kind of wild grace about her like these grapevines yet she was so strong well do you know i almost worship livy and i think the little while she was in our school she did me more good than all the teachers in studying put together why it does one good to know that such people are possible don't you think it does yes said clayton all the good in the world is done by the personality of people now in books it isn't so much what you learn from them as the contact it gives you with the personality of the writer that improves you a real book always makes you feel that there is more in the writer than anything that he has said that said nina eagerly is just the way i feel towards livy she seems to me like a mine when i was with her the longest i always felt as if i hadn't half seen her she always made me hungry to know her more i mean to read you some of her letters sometime she writes beautiful letters and i appreciate that very much because i can't do that i can talk better than i can write somehow my ideas will not take a course down through my arms they always will run up to my mouth but you ought to see livy such people always make me very discontented with myself i don't know what the reason is that i like to see superior people and things when they always make me realize what a poor concern i am now the first time i heard jenny lind sing it spoiled all my music and all my songs for me turned them all to trash at one stroke and yet i liked it but i don't seem to have got any further in goodness than just dissatisfaction with myself well said clayton there's where the foundation stone of all excellence is laid the very first blessing that christ pronounced was on those who were poor in spirit the indispensable condition of all progress in art science or religion is to feel that we have nothing do you know said nina after something of a pause that i can't help wondering what you took up with me for i have thought very often that you ought to have livy ray well i'm much obliged to you said clayton for your consideration in providing for me but supposing i should prefer my own choice after all we men are a little willful sometimes like you of the gentler sex well said nina if you will have the bad taste then to insist on liking me let me warn you that you don't know what you are about i'm a very unformed unpractical person 
i don't keep accounts i'm nothing at all of a housekeeper i shall leave open drawers and scatter papers and forget the day of the month and tear the newspaper and do everything else that is wicked and then one of these days it will be nina why haven't you done this and why haven't you done that and why don't you do the other and why do you do something else ah i've heard you men talk before and then you see i shan't like it and i shan't behave well haven't the least hope of it won't ever engage to so now won't you take warning no said clayton looking at her with a curious kind of a smile i don't think i shall how dreadfully positive and self-willed men are said nina drawing a long breath and pretending to laugh there's so little of that in you ladies said clayton we have to do it for both so then said nina looking round with a half laugh and half blush you will persist yes you wicked little witch said clayton since you challenge me i will and as he spoke he passed his arm round nina firmly and fixed his eyes on hers come now my little baltimore oreo have i caught you and but we are making our chapters too long end of chapter twenty five more summer talk